Hey there, I'm Logan Clements, co-host of the Better Events podcast, and in this episode, we're sitting down with Nora Shields of Rock Paper Coin to talk about building your business with high-end clients and mastering those high-end expectations. We're really excited to have her on the pod, and she'll kind of break down what are some of the benefits, how you even find your first high-end client, and what their expectations are so that you're prepared when you land your first or maybe it's your hundredth high-end client. Before we get into it, I do want to remind you, we are looking to grow this Better Events community. So if there's anyone you think would benefit from listening to this episode or one of our episodes, feel free to share it with a friend. And as always, if you can leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, that's just help spread the word and help us build this Better Events community. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This week, we have an exciting episode and a wonderful guest, and we are going to be talking about key strategies for mastering expectations with high-end clients. So I'm going to pass it over to Logan Clements here, the co-host of the Better Events Podcast, and she is going to introduce our guest. Yeah, thanks, Mary. I am I'm so stoked for this one, guys. Nora Shields is the co-founder of Rock Paper Coin, the first software platform to bring together wedding planners, couples, and vendors in one system for managing and paying contracts and invoices. She's also the founder and lead wedding planner of award-winning firm Bridal Bliss. In addition to recognition by Portland Business Journal in its 40 under 40 series, she's also earned a spot in the BizBash 50, BizBash 500 for 2021. Welcome, Nora. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you girls. Yeah. Is there anything else to add to your, your wonderful introduction? I know we've we've established you're in, you're in Portland, so you're not far from us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I got my start in the event industry back in 2002. That's when I started um, Bridal Bliss. And we started in the Portland, Oregon area and then expanded into Seattle and Central Oregon. So we have three different teams um, you know, between the two states. And um, it's kind of grown. It's been a slow growth. I wasn't, I, I was a little leery of, of growing quickly, just because, um, you know, we do mostly weddings, and a couple gets one wedding. So if you grow too fast, and your planners aren't 100% prepared, it's bad. It's really bad and you can't fix it. And so um, that was super important to me as we started to scale. Um, but as we got larger, we found the need to bring in more technology to help with kind of the back end administration and keeping our team in the loop and just kind of streamlining the way we did business. And we tried literally everything on the market, whether it was event specific or not. And we just couldn't find a great fit. So Elizabeth, who is my sister-in-law and was a fellow planner with me at Bridal Bliss, we set out to create Rock Paper Coin, which is the software that you talked about. Um, and it just allows for a, a very easy booking process. It guides clients through really quickly. We have the lowest processing fee on the market. It's only 2.5%. 
and it's pretty, I think, which is a big differentiator. And it's just easy. You know, event people want to focus on their craft and doing what they love and not necessarily the back end administration. So we make it easy. We simplify it. And that way, event pros can just move on and, and focus doing what they love. Yeah, I think anything that we talked about on this podcast a lot is always about time is money, usually as a, an entrepreneur, and especially as an event pro. So anything you can do to save time is literally money back in your pocket. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, I know one of the reasons why we asked you here, especially to talk about this topic, is just your experience as a planner as well as your as an entrepreneur with Rock Paper Coin um, got us really excited to have you here on the pod. And uh, we were talking earlier, but about high end clients, we think this topic today is so important because so many people want to get high-end clients and maybe don't understand how to get it, or maybe they think they want it and realize it might not be the right fit for their business, or it is this untapped potential. Mm -hmm. So we're excited to kind of dive into it here here with you today. Um, and since we're talking to event professionals across the industry, I first wanted to ask you, Nora, first to define, like, what does what are high-end high clients in your own words? Oh, that's a really good question. Nobody has asked me that. Um, I don't know if there's a true threshold. And I think high end is different for different markets. In Portland or Seattle, you're going to get a much different wedding for $100,000 than you are in, say, New York or Napa or something like that. So I think it's regionally dependent. For the Pacific Northwest, I would say anything over probably that $100,000, $80,000 to $100,000 is considered more high end. However, um, you also have to pay into account the guest count. So, you know, if it's a big Indian celebration and they have a thousand of their closest friends there, your $100,000 isn't going to go as far as it would for a guest count that has 50 or 75, which is how it seems to be trending. Right. That, that makes sense. So with your experience, Nora, or maybe with experiences of others that you've heard um, in the industry, what is either your story or their story about getting your first high-end client? What were kind of some steps you took and what did that look like? I remember getting my first high-end client and I, like my mind was blown. It was, um, I was probably in business four or five years at that point and um, I, I started small and I would just take kind of whatever business I could just to get experience and referrals and testimonials to kind of build a business. And I did a lot of networking. So I, when I first started, I spent the first probably five months in business, just doing like back-to-back -back meetings with different event pros, just to meet them, to understand what they offer, to make connections and, you know, some of those people I'm still close with today. So it's 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 been a great friendship and we've, you know, scratched each other's backs along the way. But so my first high-end wedding was um, from a woman. Her name was Mary Lou Burton. She was very well known in the Portland area. And she used to put out this wedding guide. It was like this massive fat booklet uh, of all the wedding pros in the area and event pros. And someone contacted her randomly, um, a, a couple or the mother of the bride and asked for a recommendation. And she knew that I was newer and excited and, you know, always go above and beyond. And so she referred them to me and I booked it and it was $70,000 at the time it was like this huge budget to me. I was mostly dealing with maybe 20 to $30,000 budgets. Um, and it was an experience. It's, it's different working with people that 
um, that have that kind of money and work with people that um, that kind of support that. Whereas when you're dealing with a, a couple with not even necessarily a lower budget, but more of an average budget, they don't have as high expectations from you as a high-end budget would, and they expect a lot more for you. And I wasn't 100% prepared for that, so it was certainly a learning experience. Um, so yeah, I think networking, there's so much business that's passed just through recommendations that it's so important to get out there and meet your fellow event pros and make connections and and help each other out when when people are in need, not only for you know, the, the potential referral in the future, but also just to elevate the industry as a whole. I love that journey that you just shared. And it's like, it's making me think for myself. And then I'm hoping, you know, obviously for the listeners as well, it seems like, um, it seems like tangible, right. And accessible for them. Like if that's something that they're shooting for, then that's a really good way to go about it. Right. Is building those relationships and networking. Yeah. And it really just takes one because at those high-end weddings, there will be a lot of friends and family that are on, you know, the same or similar level. Um, and even if not, whoever is there that's experiencing, experiencing this, this production that you've put on, they're going to talk about it to their friends and family. If it's like perfectly done, the food is amazing, everything flowed really well. That's what guests remember from an event. And if a friend gets engaged or something, they're going to refer you. So, um, you know, it could, it could come from a low end wedding. There could be a bridesmaid there that's ready to spend $500,000 on her event. You never know. So it's always important. One of the, one of the things I wanted to touch on what you're saying of like how you can always, you just get one and then it can kind of snowball from there. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like the barrier is that, that fear of the unknown as a, as a planner or a vendor of, of, you know, you're comfortable with your, your average size budgets that you deal with. And then Mm -hmm. you get approached about doing something you've never done. Um, Mm -hmm. was there anything that helped you convince you that you had the confidence and the skills to be able to make that leap from your, you're saying closer to 20 to 30 to almost double, you know, doubling that, if not more on some of these high end events? Yeah, no, I was really excited because I actually honestly think planning a lower end event is more difficult because you have to get so creative with how you're going to stretch this money. Whereas with higher end weddings, you have so much more flexibility on what you can do with it. And if, you know, we all have these ideas that we're like, one day we're going to have a client that's going to let us do it. Well, you can pitch all those to these high end clients and they're more likely to bite. So it was more, I was, I was excited because I knew I was going to be able to use my creativity a little bit more. And, you know, the photos that you get out of these higher end events those are another way to dry, draw in additional. You'll put those all over your social, your your website. Um, so you have that that look. How and I'm just like thinking through through this. I always turn it. I'm like, this makes my mind start turning, and I have all the questions. So um, <laughs> when you take on a higher client, do you need more staff, or where were you at that point? Basically, um, were you still in a position where you could do it with like a limited number of people? I'm not sure what you, how um, your business was at that point, but did it require more resources? Um, you know, it did kind of. So I ended up taking less work that year just because I knew it would take more time. And then I always hire assistants for the day of, and maybe like a week or two before to to do some of the the projects that need to be done, like the welcome 
uh, the welcome baskets in the hotel rooms, delivering those or stuffing those or just kind of like little tasks like that. And then you definitely need extra hands at the event. For those high-end weddings, we try to have an assistant that's with the wedding party all day. So if at any point they need anything, they don't even have to, you know, pick up a phone. There's someone there that can accommodate them. Um, so like that's one extra person. And then there's so much more that goes into the production of a higher end event that we need just more hands, um, you know, throughout the setup. So some days it's like a five day setup, depending on what you're doing. So it's quite a bit more labor, but, you know, it's paid for through your fee. Yeah, I think you touched on that some of like how you can personalize a client experience for that luxury um, high end client mm -hmm. compared to kind of your average client. Um, mm -hmm. What are some other suggestions you have to really take it up a notch and have something special for those clients? Yeah, I think it's just making them feel like a priority, like they are your only client. And I actually think this is important for any client. Um, always responding quickly, like lightning fast communication, um, you know, don't, but also you don't want to bombard them with communication. So hiring clients, they just want it done. They don't want to know the details. And this is generalizing, just some people do care and, and others don't. So, but on average, I would say most of our clients, they'll approve the overall aesthetic and look, and then just let us roll with it. So like, you don't have to ask them if this exact um, color of linens or napkins or whatever it is you're looking at, if they approve it, it's more like they said yes on the overall aesthetic, get it done. Like don't pepper them with questions. They're busy. Um, they just want it done. So um, another thing that we always have in mind is if there's ever a bigger issue that we have to talk to them about, like, I don't know, it could be a million different things, but if you're presenting your client with a problem, you have to have your solutions prepared to present to them. So um, let me think. Recently, because of the supply chain issues, we had ordered these special chairs in. A rental company bought them for us, and they were coming in from China, and they were supposed to be here like three months before the wedding. Well, it didn't happen. Nobody else on the West Coast has these chairs, and the heart, the bride's heart was like set on them. So we um, we got the call in the morning and by, you know, the next day we had two different options that weren't the same, but, um, you know, we, we presented the options. She loved one of them. Everything was fine. So had we just said, we can't get the chairs. I'm working on something. I'll get back to you. She's going to be totally stressed that entire day. Right. So always present a solution and you come out the hero, too. So it's a win win. <laughs> And with these high-end clients, is it, it in like the proposal process, does it, is there an extra bit of pressure for making sure that you're really clear in your scope and things like that? Just so, you know, our topic is managing the expectations. And so mm -hmm. I guess, what are some other ways that you could do that? Cause I'm thinking through this probably has to happen, you know, near the beginning. So it's like crystal clear yes. on what you're providing. Yeah. So we do it in um, our first consultation when we connect with the client, we also basically lay it all out in our contract. And then in our first intro meeting where we discuss budget and priorities, we talk about exactly what to expect as far as the planning process. We also have a portal for them that as a client of ours, they have access to that includes their timeline, their checklist, uh, details from all of their meetings, um, guides, just so much info for them if they want it. 
And um, so we're very clear from the beginning what to expect from us and um, timing and all of that. And we also kind of set boundaries at that meeting too, because clients will contact you and text you and do all of the things until you say stop. So, you know, it's not appropriate for a client to text us at, at 10 o'clock at night, unless it's like some sort of crazy emergency, you know, they wouldn't text their lawyer, they wouldn't text their accountant, um, you know, unless it's something major. So we do set boundaries as far as communication early on as well and let them know we'll always get back within 24 hours um, when we're available and the best methods of communication and, and things like that. So I think our, our high-end clients appreciate it um, because it's it's very clear to them. I had, for just thinking through this I, as like a, a listener, um, yeah. just wondering what are some of the benefits that you see for an event planner, event professional, or an event vendor to from working with these high end clients? You said they're you know might be more demanding, they have higher expectations, but what are the benefits you know for taking that taking that on? Well, um, the most obvious, you make a lot more money working with high-end clients, but you get to like really be creative and make magic happen. And um, there's an amazing network of vendors that you can work with that you wouldn't necessarily. Um, like we'll fly photographers and cinematographers in quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's just, it's fun to be able to, to, I keep saying it, but be creative and do things that you've always wanted to do and really think outside the box um, and make the guest experience really wonderful too. So it's not just this over the top wedding, but the guests feel very cared for and it feels intimate. Uh, recently, we had champagne delivered to all of the guests as they were getting ready for the event. So just like an unexpected thing that obviously costs quite a bit of money, but is, is very memorable. Yeah, it seems like this process, like from working with a high-end client, it would probably just like by happenstance instill some some like extremely good best practices or like white glove service that you can then kind of actually yes. take though for clients that aren't as high-end and it might just improve. Like it just seems like overall it's going to yeah. improve the experience for everybody Absolutely. with implementing the same – basically the same things just kind of at a different level. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's an interesting point there of getting to work with different vendors that you don't get to work with. I know um, mm -hmm. when I've done work in the nonprofit side of things, I often like to try to use the clients that I've used for, you know, corporate events or those higher end clients yeah. to kind of cushion the blow if I'm asking for something at a nonprofit rate, but then be like, don't worry, but I have all these corporate, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the corporate clients will help kind of cover the difference. Um, right. But it does give you kind of that bandwidth to be able to, to work with different people. Um, have you seen any risks to taking on higher end clients, like when you first were making that transition um, or has it been nothing but kind of positives for you as a business owner? Um, so I would say the biggest risk was probably um, fee related. So when we first started, we were flat fee based and we would um, kind of try to understand the scope of the event from the initial conversation and then a bid a, an amount for the full planning. And so, you know, we touted it as there's no extra fees, it's all included, all of this. Well, we had one wedding that they told us that their budget was uh, $150,000. And by the end, it was $1.5 million. And our flat fee stayed the same. 
Um, and we learned very quickly that that is not the way to um, to price out these types of events. Um, but but it was a great experience. We learned so much from it, and it was the highest end wedding we'd ever done at the time. So um, the photos are spectacular and got a lot of great referrals. But we should have made substantially more money on it based on how much time and effort was put in. Yeah, that's like ten times. Oh, yeah, ouch. my mind's it blowing. Was, it was painful, <laughs> but it never happened again. So we took care of it. <laughs> And then how for you as a business, have you kind of grown as you've been growing your client base? You'd mentioned when you first took on that first high-end client, you kind of mm -hmm. took on less events. Have you found the clients first and then scaled up as a business? Have you done it preemptively to try to get ahead of it? Or what has your kind of strategy been as you've grown? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of the two. As we grow, um, we try to hire from within as much as possible. We bring in assistance every season and kind of see... Um, who stands out, who is really doing an amazing job and, and really loving it. Because being in a wedding or event planner, it seems really glamorous from the outside. But when you're in it, you are like schlepping chairs. You're, you know, picking up after guests. It is not as glamorous as it looks. There, there definitely are some the glamorous parts to it. But um, when we bring in assistants and, and see how they react to that and and if they're willing to really work and, you know, also have kind of that confidence and that, you know, the duck that is, you know, paddling under the water and then just smooth sailing on, on top is what we're after. So it's hard to just hire people without seeing how they work. So we try to hire from within and train. Like I said, training is so important to us. And we would rather turn down business than send a planner that isn't fully prepared. So um, it takes like a solid year to bring on a planner and then have them take their own events. So, you know, there are times where we were so booked in the summer and I would have wished we could have taken on more, but we just didn't have anyone to do it. So we're kind of always looking and hiring. Um, so it's, it's kind of grown that way, but, but also slow at the same time. That's interesting. And so if um, someone kind of they're, this, they're making this is making their brain tick and they're like, OK, well, maybe I should, you know, try to get these higher end our luxury clients. But, you know, like you mm -hmm. said, a lot of it is just by networking and making the efforts mm -hmm. that way and referral based. But so let's say that they're thinking that. Um, is there a room basically, in your opinion, for both? Like, can you do the high end luxury and then still maybe do yeah. not so much? And then how can they kind of balance the demands of, of both of those with their workload? Sure. So we do all levels. Um, we have a senior planner team that handles more of those full service higher end events. And then we also have lead planners that do our partial packages, our, our day of packages, and take on some of those events that don't necessarily have the budget. We have kind of a threshold before they go the higher route. So as long as you have teams available to execute different types of events, then I think it's great. But if it's, you know, you're a solopreneur or you you are limited on the number of people you have, I would definitely focus the full service route. It's just, I think it's more fun. You have your hands in every piece of the event and you're more likely to, to have more income from it as well. 
Yeah, we just did a, a episode a, a couple a couple weeks ago about things we wished our clients knew because there are parts of the process that Mary and I get brought in where where the event's kind of partially baked already. Yeah. So some of our things we talked about were like, oh, if we were in from the beginning, you know, we can help you get ahead of some of these things. Um, I know. But if I'm if I'm thinking sitting as Mary's talking about, so we're thinking about our listeners. If they're a vendor, mm-hmm. let's say they're not a planner, mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily in control of the whole process maybe, mm-hmm. um, what are steps they can take to get their first high-end client, whether it's networking with planners like yourself or mm-hmm. you know, what should they be doing to kind of prove that they could handle a big client even if they've not actually had a big client before or a high-end client before? Yeah, I think planners, networking with a planner is going to be the easiest, fastest way to, to get a high-end client. The planners are who kind of control the flow of who is booked. So if you are top of mind with the planner, then they're going to think of you. And obviously, you're going to have to show a product that is worthy of a high-end wedding. So whether it's through inspiration shoots or um, second shooting with a photographer that's allowing you to utilize the images, that's a great way to do it. But just stay top of mind with those planners and just checking in once and meeting them isn't going to do it. You have to keep in touch and help them out when needed and um, just kind of do what you need to do to make sure that they're thinking of you when that high-end client comes in. I love the idea of this because one of the ideas we touch on a lot with the podcast is this idea for the industry of like community Mm -hmm. over competition. Mm -hmm. And it's just what you're saying. Like it's it's such a valuable thing to be able to network with other event planners and things like that. And it's like not something that I think people automatically think of because it seems like it might be more competitive. But to be able to it's not really that way. There's plenty to go around. And so I love this idea that you're just bringing in about that. Absolutely. When I first started, you did not talk to your competition. I remember, you know, I was fresh. I was young. I reached out to all the different planners in the area and not a single one got back to me. And, you know, over the years, I would, you know, connect with some, become friends. And we ended up sending so much business back and forth when we were booked. So this new, I wouldn't even call it a trend. I think it's been happening the last five or seven years. This new thought process of community over competition is such a positive for so many ways. Um, You know, not only can you share business, but it's also helping each other out. There are times when we need a a vendor, a type that we've never worked with, and we can reach out to our planner network and see if anyone has suggestions. Or like this summer, quite a bit, there were planners that needed last minute assistance just because someone, you know, got COVID or was sick or whatever. So we could, you know, share our teams a little bit to help each other out. So it's only a positive, it only elevates the industry. So there's no reason to to not have that community um, thought process. I love that so much. Yes. Oh, here, here. Um, Nora, <laughs> one more question for you here. Sure. So is there anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't cover about the topic? And then in addition, if you wouldn't mind also just giving a quick plug about Rock Paper Coin and even Bridal Bliss more if you'd like, because I think yeah. listeners would like to know more about both of those. So go ahead. Totally. So I think for high-end clients and I mean, a lot of this applies, like you said, to clients in general, but with higher end, you can go a little bigger is having surprise and delights throughout the experience. So they feel considered, they feel like a priority, like you really care about them and their wedding. So whether it's, you know, sending little gifts or a bouquet, like a replica of their bridal bouquet a month before the wedding, um, just doing little things so they feel special 
and you know for their tasting have a mock-up of their full table or um you know there's so many different things that you can do and and it's just like that special touch it doesn't cost a ton of money and they're more likely to refer you and have a really wonderful experience so for your clients that aren't high-end it could be just like a handwritten card or something unexpected it still means a lot it doesn't have to cost a lot of money but um, I think surprise and delights, making them feel special and just ensuring that the client experience is elevated as well. So from start to finish, it's a positive experience for your clients and all of their guests and also all of their vendors that are there as well. So at, at events, we take care of vendors. We make sure they have food. We make sure they have water. We make sure their timelines are exactly as they want it to be and also have, you know, surprise and delights for them. So they're more likely to refer us. Yeah. I don't forget about the vendors. I was like vendor meals. So clever. Yes. <laughs> oh, like, it's yeah, like, I get so forgotten. <laughs> it's mind boggling how often we hear it all of the time. Like, how do you expect these people to work all day and then not feed them? So we always, I mean, it's not even an option with our clients. They have to take care of their vendors. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And we do yeah. have some uh, sentence visitors, like three little rapid fire questions for you. Oh, um, okay. If I had more hours in the day, I would blank. What would oh, you do spend more time with my kids. Oh. It wouldn't even be work related. It would be straight family time. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's no requirements there. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, last night I was um, I was in bed reading a book and my husband walked in and he's like, whoa, I haven't, I haven't seen you reading a book for months. <laughs> so maybe more me time too. <laughs> Uh, the next one would be my favorite productivity tool is rock paper coin <laughs> i didn't go into it so rock paper coin is it's a platform that simplifies the process of onboarding your clients so you're able to send virtual client virtual contracts virtual invoices there's shared doc capabilities and just a bunch of business resources on there. So when a client's ready to book, I just send them their paperwork. It's all templated. It's all done. So I don't have to redo it every time. It takes minute, like less than a couple minutes to send out paperwork to them. They get a link. They take care of everything on their end. They'll probably set up auto pay. So everything is automatically charged as invoices are due. And then as we get closer, we can share all of their documents. So it's a great place to hold. It's, um, you know, final timeline, final um, diagram, guest list, things like that. So it's all in one place and it's shareable with the whole vendor team. So it's kind of like the source of truth. Um, our, so our processing fee is only 2.5%. So it's lower than any other platform out there. And we have free white glove onboarding. So if you're on another platform and you're, you feel like you're stuck and you don't know how you would get off of it, we will take all of your paperwork there, put it on your profile or put it on your account on Rock Paper Coin, get your account totally dialed with your photos and your social media links and everything that you need, um, kind of walk you through how to use it and then you're you're all set. So it's really easy to sign up. It's really quick and you're instantly going to save money. Um, and I'd love to share with all of your viewers and listeners a code. It's RPC Nora, N-O-R-A, and um, it'll give you a free year to try it out. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, of course. 
We'll make sure to put that in the show notes of the episode as well. So people can reference that there, but Ooh, exciting. Thank you. Yeah. One other thing I will add, um, and it's a big differentiator is that on our platform, it includes all three parties in an event. So the event planner, the client, and all of the vendors, whenever a vendor sends the client, any contract or invoice or invoice or document, the planner is instantly alerted and he, she, or they can act on behalf of the client. So they can sign contracts, they can make payments with the client's payment methods and just get everything done. So it's super quick and easy. Big time saver. We love to hear it. Yes. I think our, yes. our, our last sentence finisher for you is simple advice that you would give to a small business owner. Oh, it's cliche, but I would say trust your gut. Um, we There have been so many times I've taken on a client that I knew I shouldn't, but I talked myself out of it and it ended up being just like a disaster, just high, high maintenance, not respectful. Um, you know, whatever it is, always trust your gut. Um, it will serve you very well. We're all nodding here. If you're listening yeah. to us, you can't see our nods, we're all nodding. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Thank you so much, Nora. We've we've enjoyed getting to know you and learn more about your process with um, high-end clients. And uh, can you just end with telling listeners where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, email me anytime. I'm Nora at rockpapercoin.com. Our site is rockpapercoin.com. And then we are on Instagram and Facebook uh, at rockpapercoin. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nora. This has been so much fun. I feel like we could go on forever and ever, but appreciate all of your knowledge today. Thanks so much. I love chatting with you. And I think, Mary, it's time for our, our bonus, bonus tip. tip. Bonus tip time. All right, Logan, I think you got it today. Yeah. My bonus tip is one that's related to if you're doing anything like this, where we're, we're recording video or you're doing a video meeting, or maybe you're participating in a virtual event. If you're using a web camera, this is your reminder to give it a good clean. Just take a take a napkin, take a, uh, if you actually have a screen cleaner, microfiber cloth, do that. You can use your sleeve. Um, the number of speakers I've worked with where I thought their video looked a little blurry, very barely noticeable, we give it a clean, it instantly looks high resolution. Um, if you have not cleaned your webcam off in the last couple months, please do it because I promise you, you're gonna be getting some crystal clear video that you, you have not been taking full advantage of just because dust and little things get on the camera. I am going to do that like right after this episode, just so you know. Now I'm all like self-conscious. I'm like, is my video clear? Oh, no. So I'm going to try it out. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. And thank you again, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. And then also feel free to send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com about any topic suggestions or just anything. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you again. And we will be back with you again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.